Manchester's indie rock and roll station, Excess Manchester. The Excess Manchester Long Player, an iconic album in full with Jim Salverson. Excess Manchester. Hello, how are you doing? This is the Excess Manchester Long Player. I'm Jim, and today I'm taking another classic album and talking to the people who made that album, a modern day classic on today's podcast. Only going back three years to 2020 and the release of Lottery Winners debut album their self-titled debut album an album that was released just one week before the world imploded and the first covid lockdown happened we'll talk to the band about the impact that had as well as the inspiration behind this album and the long decade as a band that led up to its release back in 2020 really cool chat this with an awesome band that Get a lot of love inside and outside Manchester. This is the Excess Long Player for Lottery Winners by Lottery Winners. I'm joined by all of them in force, Lottery Winners. How are you guys? Hi. Hi, it's lovely to see you. It's nice to see see you. you. You look so nice. Oh, thanks. (laughs) You (laughs) do too. Such a handsome man. You've got your sunglasses on today, Tom, as well. It's like a proper rock star now. I know. I'm feeling like dress for the job you want. (laughs) I don't want to be a rock star, so I've just started wearing leather jackets. They look a lot better on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. I bought these sunglasses because I seen Liam Gallagher, a picture of Liam Gallagher in them, and I was like, I'll look exactly like Liam Gallagher if I bought them. I did the same with a hat that Liam Gallagher had. He had one of those, you know, those Russian furry hats. Yeah. 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 The thing on the Thames I'm yeah. like Liam Gallagher looks cool in that hat I do not look cool in that hat <laughs> I think we all need to accept that we're not Liam Gallagher <laughs> yeah. yeah you came into the like studio didn't you last week and you were like just like these and me and Joel just didn't say anything everyone just laughed at me it was so hurtful <laughs> well we're not talking about fashion today we're talking about your debut album which came out back in 2020 now self-titled debut but I think the important thing to talk about when we talk about your debut album is the time that led up to the release of the debut as well, because mm. it wasn't a couple of years here and there. It was a decade or so, which I think is important to con- for the context. We could spend hours talking about what happened in those 10 years, but we're not going to. I want you to sum it up for me in, if you can, about 60 seconds. <laughs> kind of potted history of lottery winners. In, I'll sum it up. For, you'd up think, 2019, let's say. Yeah. You'd think with 10 years writing... The album would have been a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just found our feet, you know, we were playing in pubs to start off with, but we always wanted to play our own songs, like a lot of our mates were in covers bands and that weren't really interested. So we just wrote songs and just built it up and built it up over uh, over a number of years until we felt like the time we were ready to finally, after all that time, put out our debut album. And then I can't remember what happened in March 2020, but it was pretty <laughs> catastrophic for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you kind of say that with the period of time, obviously releasing your debut album and it's happened now and it's now in the past and you can look mm. back at those 10 years and go, oh, it was about getting ready. I'm sure it didn't feel like that at the time, did it? It didn't feel like we're not quite ready yet. We'll just hold back from that debut or back, hold back from that record deal. Uh, it kind of did, but it, we were always eager to go. But I think we always knew that we weren't, that we didn't quite have the thing yet. Yeah, it, and felt, uh, it felt like it at the time. When, as soon as we sort of we realised that we were ready with it, then it was yeah. like, right now is the time. Let's go on. Okay. We had like a, a major record deal that fell through, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety and a lot of like poor mental health around that time. Like that was difficult to deal with. 
as a band that had worked so hard and then got the major record deal and then it kind of fell through mm. after I told literally everybody <laughs> that I met like everybody it was like a running joke for you like when it was like we once long... went to a swimming bath and I dipped my head <laughs> underwater and by the time I jumped into the pool come back up for air Tom was talking to some like lifeguard he was like we've been signed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Tom Bingo <laughs> so that was difficult it was a difficult time but then like when when we actually came around to putting the album out then that feels to me like the start of the band actually even it was all just like foreplay right and then now we're getting to business as soon as that album came out can you say foreplay yeah (laughs) (laughs) you have (laughs) you have so 2019 the album was released under modern sky you kind of hinted at it there there was a deal before that and i think Mm. some of the album was recorded with the previous record label as well that fell through as you say, there were kind of mental health challenges, as yeah. there would be around that stuff. You guys always seem really close and together as a band. Was yeah. there any moments where that kind of falling through and the stress that would have put on you felt like it could have been the end of it all? No, not even for a second. We're a family, us, and like we go through the, the good times and the bad times together. Like genuinely, we're always there for each other, and like even if we ever have a little spat, it's always over straight away, isn't it? I think because we all know the high stress that we have to deal with, but we all know we've got the four of us. It Mm. kind of evens it out, doesn't it, and takes that stress away that we're all there and dealing with it, and all have the same problems. It's kind of a rare situation to be in. Like none of my other friends would get this this kind of the relationship that we have and the things that we've been through. It's totally unique. So there's like, even my family, I don't, I don't think I'm as close to, I'm sorry if you're listening, Antifacy. <laughs> I don't think I'm as close to my family as I am with these people, right? Like, this is my family, you know. I like my mum and that, she's all right, but... They don't snore in a van 24 <laughs> so do they? That's it, we we spend so much time together that it's kind of like, you have to be completely your authentic self because there's no time mm. to be anything else. Is that there's like... A lot of time. Yeah, there's a lot of time. <laughs> a lot of time yeah. together. <laughs> Did that make you feel more special when the second deal came along and obviously the album then got made and then got released? Did that kind of make it feel, A, important because you were this family and you were so in it together and B, because you'd had this struggle, this growth over the previous decade? It was like a second chance. It was like a second win. Like, okay, yeah, we can still... Yeah, we were like, because we'd made the album and sat on it for a long time and that was very difficult because it felt like we were stagnant for a long time. You don't want to be that, especially as mm. a creative who loves getting clapped at. <laughs> like, God, I just want to be clapped at all the time. So any time that I'm not being clapped at is tense for me. So It was like yeah. a limbo, wasn't it? Yeah, and so, yeah, it, there was a real relief when we finally put the album out and it was received mm. so well and, you know, it charted and we didn't expect it to. And, you know, like, yeah, people really connected with it and they, it felt... It restored my belief in everything that we'd worked on because for a, a while I was kind of like, oh, is this good? Is it made this... it all worth it, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that was like the proof that oh, what we are doing it is actually worth it. But we knew enough that we didn't want to let it go stagnant and we was yeah. like, no matter what, regardless of whether they got another deal again, we just keep working at it and keep making sure that we got it out to the standard that we knew we wanted it I'll tell you what was a nice moment. We were On the day we released the album, actually, we were coming in here to like be on the breakfast show 
And we got out of the car, just round the corner here, and as we walked up, some guy stopped us with headphones in and was like, no way, lottery winners. I'm literally listening to your new album wow. right now. How cool is that? And we were it just was like, your dad. But, <laughs> like, still. <laughs> Does that, is that a moment that makes it feel really w- real, though, suddenly? That actually, because I imagine it's kind of like a little bit abstract at the time. Yeah. You've got a record here and you've got people here, but you don't really associate them as being together. Exactly. It was just our thing we'd worked on for so long and then the actual day it was out and we were obviously coming here that someone then actually had it on the phone. We were like, whoa. Yeah, it was. It was a bizarre experience. I still think it's kind of weird that people listen to us. Like, I mean, they do. 250,000 people a month (laughs) on Spotify do. But I still find it quite bizarre that people, like, probably right now someone is listening to us. In fact, I know definitely because Spotify tells you, doesn't it? You sit there all day looking where they're listening. There's 73 people listening to us right now. Someone in Goa. (laughs) So as you say, it came out March 2020. That was the debut coming up. How did it feel when you first saw the pink record sleeve on the shelf with the dogs on it? What was the emotions when you kind of saw it physically in a shop? Well, Tom absolutely loves sharing this vi- uh, picture everywhere of me because we went into HMV in Manchester and we were doing like an in-store and I just burst out crying because it just felt so <laughs> surreal to see our CDs and vinyl on the shelf in a HMV. It was like, like a proper ugly cry as oh, well. Yeah. It wasn't just like a little down my chin. emotional tear. She'd like <laughs> broken down on the floor. She had to get removed by security. <laughs> they had like a display, didn't they? Like, and it was it was so weird to see it. And it, I remember the first time holding the test pressing even and just being like, wow, we made an album. No matter what happens, we've always done this now. Mm. I've always wondered what the name of the dogs was, by the way. Uh, one of them's called Lily. That's my dog. The little ugly dog. one's the, my the dog. The worst dog on the <laughs> album cover. The little scabby barrel is my dog. Yeah, a scabby barrel that someone's stuck cotton wool on, just, but not properly, like a child's done it. <laughs> and then I don't know the name of the other dogs. One was called Zelda. Zelda. That was the photographer's Three Great Danes. We wanted oh, okay. it to be like a kind of underdog thing where Lily was us. She nearly got eaten that <laughs> yes, day. Like, we we like, let them loose wow. and she was just absolutely petrified. Yeah, yeah. The only reason we got that pitch was because we literally threw cheese on the floor and all the dogs <laughs> were like less interested in eating Lily and then just <laughs> eating the cheese. Yeah, we didn't want to like build the photo in Photoshop. We wanted it to be an organic picture like, of all the dogs together and see what mm. we got. So we just got like a pink backdrop, some cheese through it and <laughs> hope for the best. <laughs> I want to delve into some of the actual songs on the album in a moment, but it's interesting what you said about creativity and not wanting to go stale. And I think what we've seen since the album dropped is proof of that in terms of the amount of output you guys do, whether it be videos or music or whatever it is, you're constantly working, you're constantly doing stuff. How does that chime when you've spent 10 years making a debut album? Because I know there's songs on that album, we'll talk about some of them in a little bit, that you had knocking around for a while. Mm. Do you fall out of love with them? And do you want to do the next big shiny thing and you're kind of going, ah, that's done, that's old, we want to go for this thing because it's brand new and exciting? Yeah. I ate it all. Done. <laughs> yeah. It was hard with that album, obviously, because of, we don't mention, but obviously lockdown happened, so we never got to tour mm. that album. So then, like, tours since then, we've wanted to do some of the songs off there, but I had to, like, merge into other album tours. And yeah. It really had the light of day that it maybe should have got after 10 years of waiting. <laughs> yeah, we kind of put it out and then moved on to the next thing immediately because we couldn't tour and we couldn't mm. do anything else. But, um, yeah, I've, I can hear my... I can hear how young I am on the, some of the songwriting and I think I'm very critical of that. 
Right. I do think it's good. Like, obviously, I do. But every song you've ever written, you're like, this is the best song ever. And then it's like his favourite song for like a day. <laughs> and then coming the next day, nah, sat that one, that's rubbish. This <laughs> is the one. And it's like every day you've got to remind him that. Yeah, no, that other one is is quite good, yeah. but you ate as soon as soon as a new Why? thing comes Don't tell out. Him that. Honestly, that is the nicest thing Joe's ever said. About <laughs> no, but so you're, you're like, oh, rub it, rubbish good. that one, and you move it on. It's like, no, you've got to remember that this song does exist. I mean, yeah. that, like, thankfully, like people in the audiences when we when we do gigs, they remind him how good they actually are when they sing yeah. them back and stuff. It's like, oh, actually, yeah, it wasn't bad. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of kind of like how the band works as a dynamic, because. You do work hard. It has been a slog until the release, and we've seen the hard work since. Is that all of you together? Is it a joint hunger, or is there one of you? And I'm thinking I probably know of it, who it might be, but is there <laughs> that's kicking everyone into shape every morning, dragging you out of bed and kind of getting into the studio and getting you doing stuff? Well, I'll take this. <laughs> no, it's not like that. I, I, I mean, I think every band does need like a leader character. You are the driving force. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you, you said go. it. Um, but. We all get up, we have this uh, studio in Lee and we all just go there every day and treat it like our nine to five, uh, 10 to four, 11 to three job. <laughs> um, With our lunch in the, in, the, yeah. in the middle of it. But we literally go in there and we sit there every day and like, I might be doing a demo, Rob will be designing a poster, Kate will be answering emails, Joe will be watching cricket. Always eats into my cricket time. Yeah. Going to do that room. But yeah, we literally like, we've all quit our jobs and it's just, well, nine to, nine to five, <laughs> to 11 yeah. till three every day. Yeah, yeah, we're all in. Like, this oh. is what we want to do, you know. So we're we're all like 100% in. Right, I want to dig into some of the songs on the album now. And I think the appropriate place to start is the first single that came from the album, which was Hawaii. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. As it was the kind of rebirth, almost, of the band, what made that tune different to what came before? Do you want me to be completely honest and candid about it? Yeah. I just thought, I'm going to write a song I don't care about that I think will get played on radio. Really? And you played it so nice. We one. did. <laughs> was it that, was Fell it for that, it. Was it kind of literally that this is a formula that we think we can crack yeah. and get That was like. the first time I'd ever tried writing in that way. Wow. That it was a bit more like methodical. I mean, it's I, I do believe in the song and like I always have to put a, a bit of me into it. Like I did, I was feeling those things when I wrote it, but it was more like let's try and write a radio song um, because we felt like we didn't really have any. And yeah, maybe that isn't as romantic as you might want, but that is what happened. And, and so far that, we all quite despise that song, don't we? <laughs> but a lot of people do like people it. Like it people like it because they're idiots. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, not really. I mean, if you like it, I appreciate it. I guess it worked as, because it wouldn't have just been you thinking that. That must have gone through the label filter as well. Well, they must have seen the tracks and gone well, this is the one that we service the radio first because this is the radio song. Yeah, well, that, it kind of confirmed it because the label did pick that out as being the radio song. So, yeah, I think it, it, it was what it was. And uh, I do like it, obviously. I wouldn't have let anything go on the album mm. that I didn't like apart from one or two. <laughs> For me, but, that song will just... I'll never forget that Tom decided at our Manchester gig around that, like before the album came out, decided we were going to have palm trees on stage. Yeah. For the Hawaii mm. single. Oh, yeah. And then for about, was it a year after, we were still finding mud in the back of the van <laughs> and all, everything was just covered Do you know mud. how much it costs to hire, like, fall? And I say palm trees, they were house plants Shrubs. at best. Yeah, they were house plants. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, nothing palm trees. Yeah, where, you think, really. where you think you're getting palm trees from? <laughs> 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 God, I'm interested. How much was it? 
Ah, uh, it was like a couple of hundred quid, yeah. wasn't it? Ridiculous for one gig. For... <laughs> yeah, well, like we, we based the whole tour around this, the, about around that single, really Hawaii. And like we came on to Hawaii Five Off, that theme oh, yeah. for example, and then two two gigs in, someone's like, "I hate that Hawaii." I tear it up. I feel like I've been a bit cruel to one of my children there because Hawaii is one of my children. I do, I do like it. I remember when you wrote it, you said it's the best song you've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard you say before, Tom, that a lot of the stuff you write is autobiographical. Yeah. So I'm guessing that song maybe isn't so autobiographical, but it where would... does that apply to to this album? Because I think when I listen to this album and what I know about you is you seem like very candid, outwardly positive, but like all of us, you kind of have dips yeah. as well and you need that kind of self-talk. And I think that comes across in the album, particularly something like Little Things, Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, Little Things is one of my favourites. That, that was about a real tough time and losing someone and... My only friend as well. I think there's a lot of emotion in that song. That's that's quite an, an emotional one for me. And uh, the last song on the album, "Young Again." Yeah, I think the whole album. I really believe, is is me. I can't write uh, like disingenuously. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Unauthentically. I I just because I wouldn't listen to that. I can't listen to a song that I don't believe. Mm. So I'd never write one that I didn't believe in. So like I have to put me into it, and I think I do that. And yeah, I don't. I'm I am candid and I am like honest all the time because mm-hmm. people if you put in if you expressing how you feel that it's likely that other people will have felt that way and people connect to the song more mm-hmm. and it's so humbling and so nice when people come up to you and say that your song helped them through a tough time or or they can relate to it and they're like oh my god it's like it's about me that's the biggest compliment <laughs> yeah i really think that's like a big compliment so well music I, does have that power it transports yeah. people to time and places and emotions but i guess if you're writing songs that are that connected to you from an autobiographical point of view. When you do listen back, and I'm sure you don't sit there and put on old albums all the time, but does it instantly take <laughs> does it instantly take you back to kind of the, the genesis of those ideas? Yeah, it does, but like my therapy for those things is writing the songs. So if I've had a particularly difficult experience, when I put it down on paper or record it, then it kind of like gets that out of me right. so that it really helps me to overcome things. So like, although it might take me back to it, I don't experience the same kind of hurt and pain as I would have if I hadn't... God, it's gone as serious, <laughs> isn't it? Well, Is it all right? You're just like yeah. nodding at me improvingly like, it's okay, you can be serious sometimes. You're allowed to be, yeah. There's no, 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 no why you can't be. Yeah. Now I'm spending the time going, no, stop <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a band in that case, if the songs are so personal to Tom and they're from his life do you still feel able to claim ownership of them as pieces of art or pieces of work yeah I think so I because I feel like we, we definitely put a lot of work in to the to the songs musically as well because when we you know take them to a room and we all sort of and, we, and again because of how long it's taken to get to that point mm. um but when it comes when it comes to the lyrics and we know like I know Tom's. Like, he won't. He won't like me saying this, but he's a genius when it comes to a lot of stuff. Oh mate, he's going to be all right. <laughs> but um, but it's like, like uh, it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's. I sometimes when I when I when I when they come into the room with with the, with the lyrics, I get that same feeling that somebody listening to it would get. Where it's like, oh yeah, I get that as well. Mm. So you, there's still an emotional attachment to it, and as a friend as well, in the same sort of way, I, I'm emotionally attached to how he's feeling when he's writing them down. You know what I mean? Mm. So 
I, I only ever like listen to us. my uh, drum part. <laughs> you don't even you. know. I could tell words. you one lyric on that album. <laughs> I, I could tell you some of the sick fills in there. <laughs> I love that that it can be you've written it and it is that means something to you. But how people will pick up it means something, like you said. Yeah. So well, it might mean something to us as well. Our lives are kind of intertwined anyway, yeah. so it's kind of like if I've gone through some kind of think then you've all kind yeah. of gone through I've, it I've remembered when you've gone through it oh yeah <laughs> about, about it's quite a vulnerable position you know to like and I don't really admit this to you lot but if I've written something and I've got to like bring it to you I do feel nervous about that like even though we're so close and even though I can be myself completely with you it's still a vulnerable position to to bring this yeah. thing to you and sometimes you're like that's rubbish yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you both or all of you to pick a couple of tunes off the album in a moment so you might want to confer on this but I think we'll, we'll do two that can be like favourite tunes that can be moments that can be memories whatever it is good or bad mm. or whatever but I just want to talk about a couple of other songs one is That's Not Entertainment yeah. which every time I listen to it it reminds me of like 90s trip hoppy tunes do you remember mm. OMD they did yeah, How yeah, Bizarre yeah. Really How remi- Bizarre yeah love that exactly song, yeah. it really reminds me of that and I don't think musically that's ever anything I've heard people kind of going back to it's kind mm-hmm. of like, like there's a lot of 80s synths around at the moment people do the 90s Manchester thing a lot but that's not a musical mind that people have kind of gone into very often is that important to you as a band to try and find stuff that sounds different or that hasn't been done before I feel like other than Hawaii I've literally never tried to think let's make this song sound like something mm. it's always just been like authentically what it became because if you start trying to inject it with like little bits of this and a little bit of that because you think people will like it and it be- then it just n- never works. Right. You've just got to let it be what it is. And that is just the way that That's Not Entertainment came out. And we we happen to kind of love, and I think it's got a bit of blur in there and we were mm. listening to a lot of that at the time. And Tristan, our producer and manager, he wasn't then but is now our manager, he's into all that like 90s kind of trip hoppy yeah, stuff and, and, yeah. and he loves blur and so he was injecting a bit of that into it but it was never like we sat around a table and was like let's write something like how bizarre mm. it was just like what it came out like yeah. it was a similar sort of realization for us as we were doing it we're like right hey this is a bit sort of you know <laughs> similar sort of vibe yeah, yeah i think actually you were saying that like hawaii felt like it was like the the re-emergence of us or whatever it was actually that's not entertainment for us mm. right yeah. because when the record deal fell through we were just like, right, well, we're, we wrote That's Not Entertainment and another song as well. What song did we write at the same time with it? I we, guess it's that, like, there's that kind of angry edge to it, actually, when you yeah. think about it. There's a kind of like, look, this is all rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that's how we were feeling. Yeah. So we, we did That's Not Entertainment as a Long single way. without any label when we were just on our own and we put a little tour around it because we'd done nothing for so yeah, long. We, like, so we went for a meeting in Manchester with someone, didn't we? And they were just like well, you can just put out a single and do a gig, you know. You don't have to wait. And we were like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, so we just did it. And it was like the start of us again, wasn't it? Like, um, So although I actually, yeah, I would credit That's Not Entertainment as our, as our rebirth. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Last tune I want to talk about is Elizabeth on the mm. album, which I'm guessing is probably one of the oldest tunes on there. I think I'm sure I've seen a video of you guys in a pub maybe 10 years ago performing <laughs> no. it. Yeah, yeah, probably. That song is kind of like the birth of Joe. 
Being it wasn't the birth. Don't tell me, Mum, that. That's what it was called originally before we, before we became Joe. Push. <laughs> that was a, sorry. I'll rephrase. That was the first song we ever wrote with Joe being right. in the band. So it was. The, so it's the oldest song that the four yeah. of us yeah. have got. Yeah. 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 Do you remember that we write in that, Joe? Do you remember? Um, He'll yeah. tell you what football match was on. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I sort of do remember it because it was all just sat in a van driving down to London. I think we just we wrote it there. None of us had any instruments or anything, and was like, "I'll do this, you do that, you do that." And then we went to the rehearsal room, did everything that we said we'd do, and that was that. It was just done. It was genuinely, like, and I was like, "This is well easy." <laughs> I was like, well, "We'll have an album written in like an afternoon." And then the next song took ages. I was like, "Oh, it's taking ages. This is doing my head in." Like, I quit. <laughs> and ten years later, ten years later, oh, yeah. yeah. Right, your turn to pick. Couple of songs off the album, and like I say, connections to memories or moments, or they can just be songs you love or moments you love in them. I guess there's four of you. Want to pick two? So it's going to be whoever shouts first gets their picks on. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to pick Young again. Oh, well, I, th- I think we'd all agree. Probably. Yeah, yeah, fair. I really love that song, and I remember recording it and, and like literally crying. And I do cry a lot, don't yeah, I? You do. <laughs> I'm a bit soft, You're but I remember crying at that song and. Yeah, so I'm going to pick that one. I also remember we'd run out of budget for that one yeah. and we was in your flat. We recorded it in my flat, yeah. yeah. We, we had a, a violin player come to your flat, didn't we? Yeah, she thought, she was just like... <laughs> <laughs> we'd been we'd been at some massive studios, but we mm. spent a lot of, um, I won't say the label that dropped us, um, <laughs> Barna Wuthers. <laughs> um, we spent a lot of their money going into big studios yeah. like Rockfield and uh, even That's Abbey Road. Yeah. And then we really ran out of money, so <laughs> we did it in my bedroom. But it's my favourite sounding one. When you listen back, can you hear the difference between what you were doing in the big studios and what you were doing in the yeah. bedroom? Does it, and does it matter? No, I prefer it. Can it do. feels so much more real yeah. and organic, doesn't it? The confusion of the violin player was like, why am I in a bedroom recording? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'd hyped up like, yeah, this album's going to be amazing. Oh, where am I recording? Right, go up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's that flat above that carpet yeah. shop. That was it, a carpet shop. That yeah. was it, yeah. <laughs> All right, go on, do another one. What would you ask? You, you can all pick one between us. Well, I know what, Kate will pick my only friend. Yeah. Because um, I, I, that's my favourite yeah. as well. I think it's an absolute banger, to be honest. Oh. It's quite heavy. Mm. I was quite into it at the time. You I still like, like playing it live. I like playing it live, yeah. And then, we don't seem to do it anymore. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's probably my favourite. Maybe we I should think. put it in this next tour, yeah. right? But you'll just cry. <laughs> I think that's why we dropped it, is because you, you you got to like third night at all and you broke down again. I said, we can't be doing this every night. You're just crying on stage. What was I saying before about writing the song takes away the emotion? It yeah. doesn't, does it? I still cry when I play them sometimes. Yeah. Do you find a difference between doing songs, particularly like that, that are kind of bigger and a bit more energy? Do you, do you find it easy to capture that in a studio setting when you're all doing your stuff separately and you're laying it down or do you have to in those scenarios do you try and do it as a group still and kind of record that live feeling it's always difficult in it like it's that's always a thing like oh how do you capture the live sound on the record and i don't think there's a way i think each song you, you kind of I, I do remember with my only friend setting up as a band and, yeah, and play, playing we all, that. we all played along to mm-hmm. that together um yeah, but then I'm not sure any of that actually made it. Like, you no, probably, it was probably... for the purpose of the energy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Getting, the, getting the right drum tape. We've got an amazing producer, Tristan. Um, 
co-producer actually who else produces with him you make up that you do but you don't I definitely do <laughs> me and him produce press the button once yeah <laughs> they've just got like a little fake button for Tom going yeah, go on. <laughs> well done yeah, like genius let a kid drive yeah. <laughs> go on you do talk back <laughs> we both produce it but yeah he's a genius once the album came out I'm going to use the word that cannot be mentioned but no, I don't forget no, what, exactly what the timeline was, but I know between the album coming out and everything just shutting down and the world exploding and the pe- pandemic hitting, there wasn't very long between that. It was the same week. Well, we, <laughs> we, the same yeah. week. we released our album on Friday the 13th and we were like, right, go on, what bad's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> we were like, oh, you know, maybe something yeah. bad might happen, but yeah. I did not expect it to be yeah. that the bad. Did it feel like a real punch in the gut it must have it must have kind of felt like well this just isn't going to happen for about 30 seconds yeah right it was hard wasn't it but then we were like well what are we going to do just I mean everybody thought it was only three weeks at first remember yeah yeah. yeah. and then so we were just like what we're going to do we'll just work for a bit so then we, but then it kind of get got longer and longer and longer and longer and we were just like well we're not going to stop we just need to rethink everything now mm. and we just need to adapt and we all bought these weird little cameras didn't we and then we were just on zooms to each other constantly like an episode no, of Big Brother House Party we used House to party. House party. <laughs> do you remember that? but we were just constantly on the phone to each other the whole time like it was like we lived together and we just wrote songs and made videos and did covers and did a Facebook TV sane, show yeah. just to keep ourselves sane, yeah. yeah. We just, every single day I wanted to make And something. I managed to juggle that with my new football manager career. <laughs> <laughs> when lockdown started, he was like, right, we've got to do this. And I was like, I've just bought football manager. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to absolutely tan this for a year. Yeah. What was your proudest football manager achievement? I got a statue um, <laughs> uh, made outside the city ground. Amazing. I, city? I overtook no, um, Brian oh. Clough and I just thought, this is, this is my moment. And then <laughs> when you realise that nobody... <laughs> actually cares I go Kate Kate this has happened she's like get a life you know what I mean so. it was like come on Joe we've got to start recording this song today yeah yeah just got a press conference and I'll be here, I'll be yeah, here. can you do acoustic <laughs> dressing, dressing, dressing up in a suit in your bedroom for the cup <laughs> right finally and this is the level of detail I go into when I'm researching this stuff I was looking at the record sleeve for this album mm. and I noticed there was a thank you to the Half Moon Pub in Tildesley yeah what's the significance there we filmed, well, we used to run an open mic night there, actually, um, on a Thursday night. And they were just really nice, really helpful people. And, and that helped us as well. That, we filmed um, That's Not Entertainment And there. we filmed okay. That's Not Entertainment in there, where they basically let us just take over the upstairs of the pub where they lived. And then when we finished, we took over the downstairs. I was behind bar parking. <laughs> like that, yeah. well, we used to hang around in there a lot, didn't we? Yeah. Not so much anymore. Uh, maybe we should go back busy, to the half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bigger and better than that pub now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> Moved up to the Hop and Hazel now, aren't we? He's bad, that's why. I am bad. I shouldn't have gone behind the bar that day, I don't think. <laughs> I think a fifth anniversary gig, playing the album all the way through, which you've never done, at the Half Moon in Tilsley. I think it's got to be done. Um, yeah, maybe. We'll <laughs> <laughs> I, I would really enjoy playing the album in full, though, because we've never done it. We yeah, have never, never done it. Why, we, why don't we do like an XS event where we play yeah. the album in full? We'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll just get paid loads of money and we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> just press play and we'll mime. Oh, no. Half of that's possible. Um, guys, thank you very much for coming in and chatting me through this album. I think it was a breath of fresh air when it came out in 2020. I think it's brilliant. And I think what you've done since as well... Um, credit to you because you do 
work your asses off to make stuff happen and you make it happen and that's a lesson to all bands out there so appreciate your time good luck for whatever is next and thanks for being on the excess long player well thank, thank you for you. all your support yeah, Jim. No, we really you. appreciate you man the excess manchester long player an iconic album in full with jim salverson excess manchester Always a pleasure to talk to that lot. That is the Excess Long Player for Lottery Winners debut album, Lottery Winners, a fascinating chat. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that album before, or maybe you've just not listened to it in a while, go back, give it a spin, and remember how good it was. And at this point in time, I'm recording this on the 20th of April, 2023. We are one week away from the release of their new album art replacement therapy it comes out on the 28th of april so if you're a lottery winners fan make sure you've got yourself a copy of that and if you're not yet a lottery winners fan well go and check it out because you will be very soon that's it for this episode of the excess long player don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and do check out the back catalog because no doubt i will have at some point covered your favorite album Access Manchester Long Player, an iconic album in full with Jim Salverson. Access Manchester.